You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rusk. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rusk Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rusk AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. How do you actually do a renovation on a budget? Is it possible to do a renovation that looks great, isn't that hard, and actually adds value to your property without breaking the bank? This episode and conversation you're about to hear took place between Amy Lunardi, our expert buyers agent over on the Australian Property Podcast, and myself. Amy and I talk about the renovations that she's done, and she's done a few, including her 25K renovation, which she details on her website and via a recent email, and I share some of the things that I've been up to. We talk about the ways to add value, the things that do add value, like cosmetic changes, and the things that really don't add a lot of value very easily, things like insulation or even putting solar panels on your roof. We talk about the different ways to save money during a reno, from materials to, to different forms of labor and so forth. We talk about getting ready to sell a property. What goes into selling your property? Or even, here's a tip for you. Let's imagine you don't want to sell your property but you want to refinance and redraw some of that equity to buy an investment property. Or if you're somewhat like me, maybe you want to redraw some of that equity so that you can invest the money. And one of the ways you can increase value to your home is by doing a renovation that actually stacks up. Of course, you have to be careful when you do a reno. You don't want to go into it and overcapitalize, which is when you spend too much money and it actually doesn't translate to value added. And of course, the biggest risk of all is complete burnout. Doing a live-in renovation is bloody hard work. So get the tips, do it properly, plan accordingly, get the trades that you need, and make it work for you. This is a wonderful episode. Now, if you like this, I would highly, highly encourage you to tune in to our Australian Property Podcast. That's right. We've got a property podcast dedicated to this kind of thing. Every single week, we air two episodes. We answer questions over on the Australian Property Podcast. You'll find a link in your show notes. Also in the show notes, you might find things like a checklist for buying a property, how to get in contact with our preferred mortgage broker, which is Chris Bates, and work with our team. Check them out. Without further ado, here's Amy and I talking about her 25K renovation. Amy, welcome to this episode of the Australian Property Podcast. 
Good morning, Owen. Yes, it is a good morning. The sun is nearly shining in Melbourne, which is rare for this time oh, of year. Very rare for June. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. We are, of course, on a journey to be Australia's most trusted property podcast. And uh, safe to say, you know, we're, we're getting some people listening and it's been really great. So if you do want to hear more from us or get in touch with Amy, Pete, Chris, or myself, send us a question, give us your feedback. You can do that all via the show notes. It's available just in the description inside your podcast player, or if you're watching on YouTube, just click that link and uh, and get in touch. Uh, I would do a special call out for this episode in particular because it was an email that triggered this episode, uh, which I was fascinated by. It's an, it an email from Amy, uh, but also you can also get Amy's uh, first home buyer checklist, which is completely free. It's a link available in the show notes, and I think quite a few people have already received that, and I think it's an amazing resource. So go and check it out if you're buying, even if you're upgrading, whatever you're doing. If you're buying a property, go and check it out. Um, but Amy, the email that triggered this conversation today is all about doing renos. It's about um, how you can add value to a property, whether you're a homeowner or an investor. And the the subject line that you sent out, which was wonderful, I was just saying, it was how I renovated my apartment for 25K. And I thought this, having just gone through this process myself, I was thinking 25K? Oh, yes. Uh, And Owen, I I have to admit, it was a bit of a clickbaity title because I did do this renovation quite some time ago. I think it was around eight years ago. And I put a disclaimer in that email I sent out to say, I'm sorry, I don't think I could replicate this today if I did this renovation tomorrow. Like that was a, I renovated the entire inside of a 70s apartment, two bedrooms, gutted it, put everything back in for around 25 grand. And in the email I sent out, I shared how I did that. So all of the little shortcuts that I took, um, legal shortcuts, of course, Owen. Absolutely. And (laughs) put a breakdown of all of the costs in there. So I put down um, all of the labor costs and the materials And, you know, a couple of tips in there, like, uh, you know, shopping around and negotiating at trade stores and getting things for free where you can or marketplace, et cetera. But today's episode, we're going to chat about, yeah, ways to add value when renovating and what you should be considering and being wary of as well. Mm. Mm. If you haven't already signed up to Amy's mailing list, uh, Amy runs her own podcast, has her own course. Um, so please go into the show notes once again and check th- that out because this is where this came from. And I love these ones, Amy. I love when you share these types of emails because it's actually something that I, as someone who owns a property and is interested in property and is quite hands-on as well in, in this case, can really get a lot of value from. Like I can see that you have you say where things may add value and where they may not add value. So we'll go into that in, in this podcast. Um, and that for me personally is like a really tangible thing that I can think about when I'm just even looking around my own home. Like if I wanted to sell, what would I need to do, et cetera? Oh, absolutely. And sometimes I'll have people reach out to me like old clients or people on Instagram say, hey, I'm considering, uh, you know, putting solar on my roof. Is that going to add value to Mm. my property? I get all of these questions all of the time. So we're going to run through the different ways we can add value. But, you know, I'll I'll say I'm not a, I'm not an expert renovator by all means, Owen. I have done two renovations so far. So I did that apartment. Mm-hmm. I also did the house I'm currently living in, which is a, a single front. So again, gutted that, put everything back in. I might share that budget as well for the next yeah, time be because it's a it's a um, example of sort of the a step up from that apartment one that I did. Mm-hmm. And then I'm currently doing a renovation for my next family home. And they've kind of progressed in expense and scale (laughs) each time. (laughs) And the previous two, I did project manage myself. And that was a lot of extra time and effort. And for that, you save cost because Mm. you're not having to pay a project manager or a builder. But then for this next one, you know, I'm needing to get a building permit and it's a bit of an extension. So I have to engage more professionals Mm. with that one. And, you know, as a buyer's advocate too, I am constantly inspecting properties which have been renovated or which haven't been renovated and I'm advising my clients as to what they can or can't do or what they should or shouldn't do Mm. because I know what the market wants, I know what people like and sometimes I'm having to talk to my clients about, okay, well, what do you like about this property? Are you attracted to the fact that it's got a, you know, a spiffy new kitchen or uh, and are you ignoring the fact that the floor plan's not actually very good? So how do we look past those things? And mm. you know, it's it's kind of 
human psychology to be drawn towards things that look nice. And for that reason, sometimes people can ignore the flaws. That's a, I did a, <laughs> I did a podcast episode actually recently on 10 ways buying a property is like online dating. <laughs> and one of the, one of the things I came up with was just say you like, you know, you're going on a date with someone and they're really attractive and you're like, oh my gosh, this person's really hot. But then you ignore their flaws because of that reason. Mm. You're like, oh, um, you, 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 and that, that happens with property inspections all the time, especially with nice styling. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll have a chat about that. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, but I guess the, the first thing to think about for people is, and I love that dating analogy, by the way, uh, you never <laughs> know what's underneath the surface. <laughs> yeah, you peel um, back the carpet yeah. and you see, you know, are they nice floorboards under there or moldy chipboard? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess one of the things that you would be seeing then for people that, for, for properties, for people that, you know, maybe do have the skills, don't have the skills, but also like how it fits in with their broader strategy. So can you maybe just talk to that? Because I know, like, let's be honest, renovating is not for anyone, everyone, and particularly like a live-in reno, that can mm. be that can be pretty uh, hectic, you could say. Um, so what? let's just start the, the grassroots. Like why do we consider this? Who should consider it? Uh, and let's just go from there. Yeah, so firstly, when you're considering doing any kind of renovations, you should ideally have an idea of what you're trying to achieve in that it's either personal or financial. It couldn't be a combination of both and that's okay. But if you're renovating for yourself, then you're needing to focus on things that are important to you and also Mm -hmm. maybe a bit more longevity with that renovation. So not just approaching it from a cosmetic perspective, you might actually have to fix more of the structural elements or the fundamentals before you do the cosmetic stuff. But then if you're just wanting to add value to make money or to flip that property, you know, Mm. flipping is a a really challenging strategy or just sell that to make money. So essentially putting a dollar in to make more than a dollar out, you're going to approach that a different way. So at the very beginning, having a think about what are you trying to achieve with that renovation and then putting that hat on when you make decisions as to the next steps. Mm. So with that, just to peel back a layer on that. So for example, if you were inspecting a house, do you think that you could tell, and I'm guessing the answer is yes, if someone has done it purely for the quote unquote flipping type strategy versus say someone that was doing it for the lifestyle, like live in it type strategy, but it just something went wrong and they ended up selling. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Although- Everyone everyone does it differently and some people will approach a, a flipping renovation and actually do a really good job and maybe they're, right. they've got a trade background and they've got a lot of pride in their work versus sometimes I can just see it's, you know, you know lipstick mm. on a pig for better words <laughs> yeah, yeah. and they've just slapped it on at the last minute and they haven't addressed, um, you know, the foundations and the floors are still unlevel and you can still see it's on timber stumps, et cetera. So sometimes, and then you can get a bit of a hint as to um, the motivation if you've seen that they've only brought that property maybe six months ago or a year ago. And in which case, sometimes you can see old photos online or an old floor plan. You can see mm. exactly what they've done. Yeah. Um, I got to admit when uh, we bought our first home, uh, you could see that it wasn't even lipstick. It was like you could, if you could see through the lipstick, then you <laughs> would probably get a sense of it. But um, I should also add that I recently did um, – a, a, a reno like this um, on our kitchen and bathroom, which is one of the things I mentioned to you recently is I wanted to do it cheap but good, if, mm. that's, if that's such a such a thing, um, because it's for us to live in. But the alternative of doing like the proper job, like going above and beyond was redoing the roof, redoing the floor plan, redoing, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. So definitely did not have that type of money. And I think that brings in a different point, Amy, which is, um, this idea of overcapitalizing and people spending too much. You mentioned a dollar in, a dollar out. Hopefully, a dollar in equals more dollars out. Um, but how did how can people weigh up that? And yeah. how does that add, like how do you specifically like add value? I said so to speak. Yeah. So to begin with, let's sort of consider why you would want to add value. Mm. A bit of a rhetorical question, isn't it? But <laughs> essentially, when you're adding value, you're wanting to make more money then you spend or gain more value than you spend. So you spend a dollar, but then your property increases in value. It could sell it by, by more than that dollar that you put mm. into it. So that's the overall goal. And that might be because you're wanting to sell that property at some point in time, 
or it might be a case of you're wanting to add equity. So uh, you get your house revalued and then you have more equity and then in which case perhaps you might borrow against that equity in the future to, to buy something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, adding value through renovating, you more approach this from a financial perspective rather than that personal perspective because personally renovating, you're not doing it necessarily to add value, are you? You're doing mm. it for yourself. But then in theory, by doing all of this property and adding value, it just means that in the future you can sell that property for more and it's also going to be an easier property to sell and that mm. can help you particularly in times when the market is a little bit softer and your property can stand out against others. But if we're talking about overcapitalizing, and I hear this word thrown around <laughs> so often, Overcapitalizing by definition is where you you spend money on that property and you're not getting that money back. So maybe you're spending 100 grand on that property and only only adding 80 grand of value or Mm. able to resell it for 80 grand more, essentially less. But overcapitalizing, if you're renovating for a home to live in and you're renovating for personal reasons, I think that you should be less concerned about it overall, less stressed by it. It's certainly not an outcome that you want to happen, but I think that you need to just, again, come back to what are you trying to achieve? Um, If I said to you, Owen, okay, well, you could renovate it in this way and therefore you wouldn't overcapitalize and you would add all of this value. And you said to me, well, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to live in a property with that kind of renovation or I I don't, um, that's not the outcome I want to achieve because I'm going to live here for 10 years. Well, then you wouldn't you wouldn't do it. You would renovate it your own way. So just bear in mind when it comes to overcapitalizing, come back to your objectives. Is it personal? And if so, don't worry about it as much. Um, But if it is financial, then you do really need to understand if I spend this money on these elements of the renovation, how much extra value is it likely to add? So then you really need to put a careful budget together and do the research on what people are going to potentially pay for that property Mm. after you've added that value. And further to that, when you're getting your property revalued to get potentially more equity or you know borrow against that equity, just bear in mind too that those types of bank valuations do tend to be a little bit more conservative. And just because you've put in a you know five thousand dollar bath, that valuer isn't necessarily going to say, oh, this that's added an extra 10 grand of value. So they're going to be more focused on the big fundamentals, which is accommodation and location and you know market influences, et cetera, too. So don't rely on the, the, the valuation coming back at significantly more. Um, just bear in mind they can be a bit more conservative. I think that's a really good point is um – and this is what we're about to talk to is like the specific ways that you could seek to add value and those other ways which maybe don't tend to add as much value. But I thought I'd maybe just, just to backpedal, you mentioned the budget and you have the spreadsheet available. I saw it was available in that email that you sent out to your subscribers. Um, did you? So you did that before you did the reno? Like you had a specific budget of how much you wanted to spend on the various items? I did. At the time, I had a budget because that's all the money I had essentially to put towards that yeah. renovation. And also, before I did that first renovation, I had zero experience renovating. I, had, I hadn't I had even watched the block. So, I had <laughs> negative experience and I was trying to sort of like collate all of this together and I put a spreadsheet together and I just input every single thing that I thought I might need to spend money on. Um, so, I essentially broke that down into labor and materials, which trades I needed. I got some rough quotes from them and then all of the different materials I'd need. So, you know, the the tiles, the bath, mm. the tapware, the carpet. I went out shopping for everything and I wrote all the prices down and I went out to, you know, the outer western suburbs in Melbourne to get the best prices and I put everything together. And, yes, things changed a little bit mm. as we uncovered other issues and, you know, maybe some for products sure. weren't available. But, yes, I started off by putting it all down in budget. And there's a, there's a bit of a, um, a spectrum or a sliding scale on ways that you can add value and there are the more straightforward ways and ways that you have more certainty around cost, which is like that what I did, which was more of a cosmetic renovation, um, all the way through to doing an extension or doing a major renovation and in which case it's going to be hard for you to get an idea around how much that could cost until you actually put some plans together. And then give that to a builder or go out to get 
things quoted, but you need to have a really good idea of what you want to achieve before a builder will be able to give you a price. Absolutely. And they can maybe give you a ballpark, um, but you still need to give them an idea of that floor plan and the fittings and fixtures and the the quality of everything. So there's three levels to which I would categorize as adding value through renovating, and that is cosmetic. Mm-hmm. And cosmetic could be as basic as painting, flooring, you know, curtains and blinds, changing light fittings. In theory, those are all things that you could do yourself. You could watch on YouTube or go to Bunnings tutorials. <laughs> um, but I would then also class cosmetic as things like doing a new kitchen or doing a new bathroom or and those things that you you would probably want to outsource. Well, you would at least have to outsource, you know, the plumbing and electricals. You could do other things yourself. Um, but cosmetic, think of it, think of it as essentially not changing anything, you know, structural or anything major. Um, and then in the middle of the range would be to work with, say, an existing floor plan or existing footprint of a property and but changing within that footprint. So mm-hmm. you might move some walls around. You might shift the kitchen from one part of the property to another or maybe you can add an ensuite in without having to go out. And then the third level being extending, so going up or going out, and in which case that's the most significant and the most costly type of works you can do. You can add a lot of value through doing that, but at the most cost and the most risk and the most uncertainty. And so this brings in a separate thing. So you've got the three kind of like levels. You've got the cosmetic, which might be like painting, floor, curtains, these types of things, really aesthetic um, rather than, you know, removing walls and that sort of thing, which is the second step. So that can add a lot of value as well, I'd imagine, open plan living, for example, versus say like 70s or 80s style where it's kind of a bit more closed in. And then the third one is this like extending up or out. Um, and this is the one that's interesting to me, Amy, because we're talking about it off air. At this level, like you should always be aware of all like the council rules and state rules, et cetera, for your area, go and check that out. But for these, for this one in particular, the idea of like a renovation or an extension on a property um, this may trigger other things that you need to be aware of. So things like permits and planning. Can you talk to that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So you, there's two main types of permits that you would need when approaching a renovation and they've got sort of different names nationally, um, but essentially a building permit or a planning permit or a development approval, it's called in other states. And that will depend your building, whether you need a building permit or not, you could actually need a building permit for something which is technically cosmetic, depending on your state's regulations, depending on how much mm. you're spending and the extent of that cosmetic renovation, you might also need a building permit. If you're just doing little bits and pieces here yourself, you won't, you know, the real basic cosmetic things, but certainly anything structural, you will need a building permit mm-hmm. and anything which requires an extension will require a building permit. So just think of a building permit as something that you might need it through all of those points. But a planning permit, which is one which you have to go through council, whereas a building permit is done with a private surveyor, which you still generally need to have records with council, but you don't need council approval. And whether you need a planning permit or not, that is approval from council, will depend on the zoning and overlays on Mm. your property. So those will trigger whether you need a planning approval or not. My renovation, for example, that I'm doing for my next house, even though it's an extension, I don't need planning approval because the overlays on my property don't require it because it's above a certain size and it doesn't have heritage overlay. It doesn't have a you know vegetation overlay or anything else that would require that. So when you're considering doing any kind of extension, just understand what types of permits you will require because anything that you need to go through council with, that's an extra, not necessarily much extra cost, but certainly extra time and then extra risk because council might come back to you and say, no, we're not happy with this for these reasons. You need to change things. You've got opportunity cost of time, et cetera. So yes, certainly approaching that, knowing all of your requirements and your drafts person or architect at the beginning will help work through what kind of planning permits um, or building permits you might need. That's great. It's really informative for people that are thinking of going to that next level and um, really looking at how do I invest money in this property and add 
significant value or, or hope to add significant value uh, as opposed to like a lick of paint, right? Which uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying you don't need a building permit or a planning. Any, you don't even need to approach the council for that. Um, just, <laughs> no, that's right. Just don't, we, yeah, don't get too funky with the colours. <laughs> <laughs> and with, and with um, the, the cosmetic items to add value, this is probably what I, I see the most common um, the common, most common situation when someone's trying to, you know, spruce up a property to, for sale or they're on a tight budget and they just want to make that property feel nicer because these are the ways where you can spend the least amount of money to get the maximum output or the, mm. the sort of the most, um, yeah, the most, the, be- the best outcome. And painting really is, I know this is like, this certainly not new information, but painting is the way to, the, the, the number one way that I see the most value to be added. Because with paint, you can completely transform the interior and exterior of a property. You can do it yourself if you're really up for it. It's easier said than done. Yeah. But you can also go to the extent of doing things like painting tiles in a bathroom. You can paint a bath you can paint kitchen cabinetry. We're not just talking about walls and the ceiling here. I've even seen um, recently this amazing property in Brunswick, which sold for a crazy price. They painted the floors a bright color and hmm. they'd done it really well. So painting, flooring is probably the next one from a cosmetic point of view. Adding some new carpet in, uh, you can get amazing cheap floorboards, you know, laminate style, which actually look really great yeah, these good. days. Yeah, shop around and, um, you know, go to go out to all of those discount places, which sometimes don't even have websites. <laughs> mm. um, get You can get some really great bargains there. And then the next one would be, you know, soft furnishing curtains and blinds, changing light fittings. You can change bench tops but not have to do all of the carcass of the cabinetry, little uh tapware bits and pieces here and there just to elevate that property and even um when I say landscaping doing things yourself like you know just taking all the taking all of the existing plants out and just putting some fresh mulch down and some little plants here and there just to add a pop of color um, these are all things that can be done Mm. very inexpensively but have the most aesthetic and visual output and these aesthetic things are actually what buyers focus on the most, even though they mm. shouldn't, in my point of view. <laughs> yeah. Those are the things where they walk in and they feel good. Anything that makes them feel like they're at home or feel more comfortable or feel like they don't have to do those things immediately um, and get them emotionally drawn into a property, that's where you get the most bang for your buck. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned at the top of the show, right, is this idea of, when you go on a date, right? This is the date stuff we're talking about. This is the <laughs> thing that you see across the table from you. Um, and I, I, I got to admit, so Amy, I did this. So, with our uh, kitchen and bathroom. So just to paint the picture, um, kitchen was pink. It was, it was twenty years old when they brought it in twenty five years ago, um, <laughs> and the bathroom was like a baby blue, but not like a good baby blue with orange. I know the exact type of property I want. Yeah. With orange tiles. It was a it was a combination, I tell you what. So what so we did a very quick reno. When I say very very quick, I did it within seven days. Um so that but it was more cosmetic. It was mostly cosmetic. And we didn't, for example, remove things like tiles and I kept the original carcass of the kitchen and just put bamboo bench tops, brass slash gold handles and finishings on the tapware that was the most expensive painted the tiles white um, really simple stuff put some shelves in etc and all of that was done quickly but effectively and it just looked like a brand new kitchen and bathroom it honestly did it would yeah yeah yeah. and it wasn't really anything major and I was surprised how we got away with it kind of thing like and it actually has come up pretty well Um, so those cosmetic things definitely like and even just as for, for comfort perspective. Um, and if you look at that, viable. Owen, if you, um, I mean, I haven't seen your bathroom, but I'm, I've got a visual <laughs> based on your description. If you had gone and replaced those tiles, for example, once you start ripping up tiles, you're impacting the waterproofing of that bathroom, you're needing to re-waterproof, maybe address anything going on underneath there as well, mm. and then retile again, you're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars extra and you're not necessarily going to get that much of a better outcome yeah. um, 
for your situation, for what you're trying to achieve, which is just yeah. really like freshening that space up. So you also need to sort of draw a line in the sand, okay, and say, if I start to change this thing, what else will I need to do? Mm. If I change some tiles, I'll then need to rewaterproof, in, in which case I'll need to do probably, you know, that whole bathroom. You end up having a whole new bathroom and then you're looking at twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars if you do it properly so and how much if you are open to sharing how much did you spend on that bathroom upgrade um so the bathroom and kitchen together it was less than twelve thousand dollars so amazing the most expensive bits were the the finishings like we didn't go the absolute cheapest um like tapware and things like we went with the brand called phoenix which is middle of the range quite nice um and we did things like this is including like a new westinghouse stove um, uh, a dishwasher as well. So sinks, um, we got it all. Um, we didn't do in the bathroom. We didn't, for example, replace the bath. Um, and it was very easy. Like you said, if we took the, I think the, the less you know is almost the better for us here. Like we were like, we know that there's probably some water damage. So there's probably some water damage. So if we did take the tiles off, then we'd probably want to replace the waterproofing, which would then mean we probably want to replace the the plasterboard behind that and then all exactly. of a sudden it just goes on and on so you just can of to... worms Owen can of worms <laughs> absolutely so you just like you said draw the line and that's as far as we go and we're okay with that um, and that's and if you were and renovating that's right and if you were renovating that and you had the budget for it and you said I want a brand new fresh bathroom because we're going to live here for a, a long time and that's what we value and we've got the cash for it then you know you might have approached that differently mm. but it wasn't necessary for you and your your situation and what you've also done and what you've said would be the way that I would have approached it if I was trying to if I was about to sell that property as yeah. well just doing yeah. a spruce up for sale yeah we thought that if we at least if we've done this and we do get the property revalued well at least it, the the valuer might see that the bathroom and kitchen look like they're basically brand new even though they're not necessarily um and it wasn't necessarily driven by that it was just driven by our own comfort we didn't really want a pink kitchen and an orange and blue bathroom anymore so yeah. um and the reason why we chose slightly better tap fixtures is because we do think they're quite nice and if we do do a major reno in a few years, we may be able to take them off and salvage them for the next reno. Whereas with this one, um, so if, whereas if we went cheap, we would have we would have to replace them if we got a new bath. So they don't look out of place if we were to do a big one in the future and we could take them with us because uh, they tend to last quite a long time. Oh, that's but- right. And if you were renovating that to sell, you probably wouldn't have necessarily spent money on mid-range. Mm. You might have gone low-range because there's some great – duplicate style tap wear out there, which may not last as long, but if you're selling that property, Mm. maybe that's less of a consideration to you. Absolutely. So, Amy, we've talked about maybe good ways to add value, like ways that commonly add value. You still need to be careful around that. All properties will vary. Um, But what about some of the ways that you found the kind of the renos that don't add value or the things that people do with their property that maybe don't have as much of a you know, valuation increases they thought. Sure. So this is specifically adding value, not not to do with your own personal comfort or your own personal preference, because in which case you mm. might consider doing these things. And if so, you're going to have your own personal value that you attach Good to point. these things. And it's essentially anything which buyers can't see. And even though they might make that property a nicer property to, to live in, uh, they're not, they're not, outwards things. So Mm. these are things like adding more insulation to that property. Yes, that's amazing value add to a buyer who's going to live there and be warmer or cooler. But when they're walking through that property or thinking how much they're going to bid to on that property, they're not considering the insulation. Mm. Solar panels is another example. Like I think they're great and, you know, they're great for you to live there in the longer term, but a buyer isn't going to say, wow, that property's got solar panels. I'm going to pay an extra five grand for it. Yeah. you know, an irrigation system in the in the yard, for example, essentially anything that's kind of hidden, even mm. though it's a really great feature. Um, you know, I'm doing, I'm considering doing heated tiles in my oh, yeah. bathroom for the next renovation. I am so excited about that. But again, a buyer is not necessarily going to say, I'm, I'm going to pay more for this property for that reason. Yep. Overall, all of those things added together a buyer will, you know, maybe be more attracted to that property and, you know, want that property a bit more, but they're not going to place as much of a dollar value on those items as if you directed those funds to more overt things. Like, you know, uh, if a 
bedroom doesn't have robes, adding robes in there. Or if you don't have heating and cooling throughout the whole property, adding adding that in. So more focusing on when you're wanting to add value, focus on the feeling and the general comfort of a property and comfort mostly being heating, cooling, dishwasher, not heated tiles <laughs> and not <laughs> and not um, insulation, for example. So really obvious things because that's what the buyers are going to focus on. So as they walk into that house, they need to be able to visualize themselves living there. They need to feel warm and comfortable and homely. Those are the things that we focus on. And then beyond that, you still also need to consider the demographics of who are the going to be the buyers that you're going to sell this property to, what do they want, what do they value, and if you're not sure, speak to the local real estate agents. For example, sometimes I'll have clients say, I'm thinking about putting a pool in, um, you know, I want to sell this property in a couple of years, should I do that? And we speak to the local agents. How many buyers do you have that want pools in this area? And if you're living in uh, Melbourne versus Queensland, you're going to get a completely different answer to that. And that can help you make these decisions, um, especially if you're wanting to add value. But oh, and if you want a pool because you love pools and you're going to swim every day and your kids love pools, put a pool in if if it's personal preference. Yep. So yeah, sprucing up for sale, focus on the feeling and comfort of a property. Um, and then also always style a property. Absolutely. If especially you're going to go to the extent of renovating. Um, and then beyond that, if we're thinking about ways to save money through this yeah. whole process, there's essentially two categories. There's labor and then there's materials. The people who can tend to add the most value to any kind of renovation are people who are in the trade industry mm, <laughs> or people that are handing themselves because labor is so expensive if you can do as much as you can yourself and you can do it in an okay way, then you're going to save a lot of money. Or if you've got friends in the industry that are happy to do like, you know, mates rates, that's how I saved a lot of money on my first renovation, having, um, you know, mates rates specials. <laughs> yeah, of course. And and then also, yes, you know, shopping around and getting different quotes from from different you know, plumbers and electricians and everything, um, that will save you money. But at the end of the day, if you don't have those connections, labor is a non-negotiable cost that sometimes you can't save a lot on, especially things that you can't do yourself like plumbing and electricals. And then with materials too, it's a case of determining, all right, putting a list down of all of the things you need deciding on which things you're going to maybe spend a little bit more money on, maybe spend a little bit less money on, um, but again, focusing on the aesthetics of it. And what I mean by that is you can get a dishwasher, which mm. is $500 or $1,500. They might be both be Bosch dishwashers and you know one of them's way better. It's got all these extra functions. A buyer doesn't necessarily care about those things. No. In fact, they probably won't even look at the brand of the dishwasher. Um, if you're doing a really high-end renovation and you're appealing to a market, you're selling to a multi-million dollar market, yes, in those instances, those buyers will be much more discerning with appliances and with fittings and fixtures. So coming back to those demographics and who's going to be buying that property, but don't go and spend an extra thousand dollars on a much better tap or a much better bath or a much better dishwasher if the buyers aren't going to place any extra value on those things. So you can save on materials, you shop around, you can negotiate at some trade stores. I didn't know that the first time I did a renovation. Go what to kind these of bathrooms. stores? Like just any stores or? So for example, I went out to this bathroom store and I said to them, well, okay, I'm going to buy four or five items here. What's, you know, could we do 20% off? Or I can't even remember the two conversations I had, but I got significant discounts mm. um, and I went to multiple different places and I talked to them and they, they it's not like a normal shop Owen <laughs> you can't yeah. do that at Coles yeah. um, but then from there especially because I was on a tight budget I was going out to all of these other places that was my time so bear in mind that you've got to put a value on on your time yeah, as sure. well but even going online and I got discounted appliances because the boxes were damaged um, but the appliances were fine and that's if you save $100 here and there over the course of all of the items, that adds up significantly. So the more mm. time and effort you put into that at the beginning, the more savings you can make. 
So labor and materials are the two main cost categories there where you can say, okay, where can I tighten up the purse strings a little bit and, mm. you know, make, making sure you don't cut corners in the places that will, um, that will be important for those buyers. Yeah, I, it's like a free superpower if, you, if you're a bit handy and you know how to do a few things or you're willing to give it a shot and do it properly. Um, some things you definitely shouldn't do yourself. Um, things like fiddling around with gas or electricity, these types of things you should definitely seek out appropriate professionals and anything to do structurally, unless you really know what you're doing, you have experience. That's um, right. And get, I think get expert it, advice. landscaping or not landscaping to the point where, you know, you may be um, building whole structures, but landscaping, like, you know, getting rid of that whole garden and putting new soil in and planting some trees and making that look nice. I, I think most people would be able to approach that if they had the time and energy to do that. And you can have such a big uplift in a property just mm. by improving the yard, the backyard and the front yard. Okay, Amy, so we've talked about like ways that you can add value, um, maybe some areas where it does tend to make sense and some areas where it probably doesn't and why certain things cost money and how you can save on them. Is there anything else you'd like to add? If someone's listening to this, they're thinking maybe I could do a reno, uh, maybe I could add value to, you know, to get a refinance approval or, you know, sell anything like this. What else would you say to them right now? So a few extra considerations is um, try and avoid replacing or renovating something which you've already actually paid for through that purchase price. For example, if you've bought a property and the kitchen is already relatively modern or mm. the bathroom's already relatively modern, perhaps it's not to your taste and you go and hold, do a whole new kitchen, a whole new bathroom with the purpose of adding value, then well, you've technically already paid for that modern kitchen in the purchase price of that property, in theory, yeah. in theory, depending on what you've bought it for. So you're just having a slightly more modern kitchen. Is that necessarily going to pay you back? Probably not. Mm. And are you going to get much more of a, um, a much higher valuation from that? Well, probably not. So just bearing in mind that if you're doing it for personal reasons because you just don't like the kitchen, that's fine. Um, and also if you're doing major works, especially when you're doing an extension or changing a floor plan for, or, or anything that is structural, Ideally, if you can be increasing the accommodation or size of that property, that's important. I have seen situations before where people have done renovations and they've taken a three-bedroom, one-bathroom property and just made it a three-bedroom, one-bathroom with a slightly better layout and a nicer interior. Mm. But they've gone and moved walls and they've spent a lot of money moving things around, but they've not actually increased the accommodation or the size of that property. So spent quite a bit of money. And yes, it's nicer and it's got a nicer flow of that floor plan, but that's not going to add as much value yeah. as if you could some in some some way, um, you know, squeeze an extra ensuite in there or um, have opened. Correct, yeah. exactly right. And it's not necessarily always going to be possible, but just something to to keep in mind. But certainly, don't go to the extent of again on the other end of the spectrum. I've seen situations where. People have tried to squeeze too much in. So, for example, they've created a four-bedroom property but at the compromise of then having a tiny living space. And who's going to want to live in that property? A family is not going to want to live in there. Mm -hmm. um, you might just then only really appeal to house sharers who don't need a communal living space. So, mm. you know, there's <laughs> two ends of the spectrum there. For sure there is, yeah. And then also, you know, very importantly to consider the true costs as well. Um, so these are not just the financial costs of labour and materials. These are things like the holding costs. Um, you know, my renovation at the moment, it's going to take six months to do. Mm. That, pro that I'm paying a mortgage in the meantime. I'm paying a mortgage on the other place I'm living at. I'm not able to rent it out in the meantime. So I've got the holding costs to factor into the true cost of that renovation um, yes, in theory, it's great if you could live in a property whilst you're renovating and you can to a certain extent, but once you're starting to do kitchens and bathrooms, well, where are you going to eat and cook and you yeah. know, go have a shower? And also when you're renovating it, there is a lot of dust. There is a lot of dirt. There's a lot of things flying through the air and 
you know, even when I renovated my other house, we had this one room that was closed off and locked off and I taped all the doors up to have some personal items in there. It was filthy by the end of it. Yeah, right. So if you're living there, you're going to be breathing that, with that, you can have kids, et cetera. Just keep that in mind. Um, you've got the cost of your time, mm. especially if you're project managing. So my previous renovations, I would be having to go to those properties minimum a couple of times a week, but sometimes twice a day to be talking to the tradies there, to be coordinating things, checking things when there was some mistakes, having to, to deal with fixing those things. So factoring in your time, the planning, the driving around, the shopping around, and then the, also your opportunity cost. If you're wanting to make money through property, through renovating, great. Um, you need to figure out, well, where else could I have put that money in the meantime? How much could that have earned me? And factor that in too. I think that's yeah. that's relevant. And then don't forget about you know stamp duty and um, all of those extra things. I've seen really deceptive renovation sort of uh, online courses and everything mm -hmm. before that have said, look, this person made two hundred grand, you know, in six months, but then they didn't include the stamp duty, they didn't include the holding costs and mortgage repayments, etc., and they didn't yeah. include the capital gains tax. So just know that, you know, just because you buy for X, you spend X and you sell for X, it doesn't mean yeah. that you've made that amount of money. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that I see rife in properties. Like people just say, this is the purchase price and this is what I sold it for, let alone any of the other costs that <laughs> in between that magical time. Totally. Um, so obviously people can reach out to you, Amy, um, for, you know, buyer's advocacy in Melbourne and surrounds. Um and obviously there's all the links in the show notes, but I just wanted to ask, actually ask one final question. Someone listening to this, they think I'm not as handy as say, Amy, I don't have the experience. Or... Oh, hold on now. Oh, and I'm not handy. I'm not handy. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so what, it, so what should be the first step? Should someone reach out to a friend who, or, or someone that they know, or perhaps uh, someone who's done it before to say, Hey, can you just come take a look at this and tell me like where I'm at? Yeah, so I'm going to um, flash, uh, rewind to when I did my first renovation because I was in that position and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. So first of all, just educating yourself on all of the different types of trades and what they do. So mm -hmm. what does a plumber, I didn't know before I worked in property that a plumber did gas and the plumber, yeah. there was a roof, there's roof plumbers, there's drainage plumbers. So educating yourself on what all the different trades are and which ones you'll need for that renovation and then figuring out all of the, the materials that you'll need. So just walk into any bathroom or any kitchen and write down everything that's in there. You know, mm. tiles, shower rail, um, shower screen, tapware, everything. Write the, all those things down and you'll start to then be able to put a picture together yep. for yourself about all the things you need. And then, yeah, you will start to have to reach out to trades. If, you know, we're doing, if we're just talking about these cosmetic renovations here, talk to a tradie and say could you come could you come through and do a quote for me or could you give me a ballpark just all of these tidbits but mm. ultimately they're not necessarily going to be able to give you really firm prices or quotes until you have an exact idea of what you're wanting to achieve and sometimes you'll need to provide them with plans or drawings etc absolutely yeah, yeah. also like when we're talking about joinery um cabinets kitchens vanities etc you can go to somewhere like Bunnings or iFreedom or Ikea and get those put together and in which case you can get quite good pricing, accurate pricing. Yep. You can do those little 3D models in there. Yeah, they're cool. Um, but otherwise, if you reach out to a, a cabinet maker, they will require an idea of the plans to be able to give you more accurate quotes. Mm. So it's not an easy process. No, just but, take your time. Yeah, exactly. Do your research. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I like that. It's a good way to start. It's just to write down what you see in front of you and what you want it to look like because the yeah, the tradies are not mind readers either. So you, you need to give them an idea oh, of what go on, what Go on YouTube. Go on TikTok. There's so many free resources out there where you can get inspiration of what other people have done. I've found yeah. myself on the renovating side of TikTok and there's heaps of little things that I've saved in there like, you know, spray painting the driveway instead of repaving it and resurfacing it. There's all these amazing new products that are coming out. You know, these yeah. just create a big folder of all of those. <laughs> I like to be honest, Jamie, yeah, I, I I like TikTok or more specifically YouTube for the how-to, but what I love for the inspiration is Pinterest. Oh, I find Pinterest. I love Pinterest. Because <laughs> it, it, it automatically knows like what you're looking for and it will suggest other designs as well automatically, which is both scary and amazing. So yes. um, Pinterest made those boards. Um, I find that so powerful. But, hey, this has been heaps of fun. Like 
so many people that are in similar situations to both of us will get a lot of value from from this maybe even have to listen to it twice um but people can get your 100 point checklist uh, by going to the link in the show notes you can find chris amy pete or myself all of the information in in the show notes you can also send us your questions we would love to hear from you we're also on social media if you, if you are doing a reno show us before and after give us some inspiration tell us what worked and what didn't work we'd love to know and share those with the rest of the community but amy as always it's an absolute pleasure so thank you for joining me thanks owen thanks for listening to this episode of the australian finance podcast we hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode if you're keen to learn more head on over to rask education and take one of our free money and investing courses you could even become a rask core member for less than your netflix subscription each month and don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.